Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How are <laughs> you doing, Marshall? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah. Like, I've uh, had an interesting week and, um, yeah, a lot of stuff. Interesting lot of stuff, in what way? A lot of stuff going on. Um, this is very vague. Look, so um, I'm preparing a uh, eight-week Bible study through Philippians, and I'm like deep into the prep for that and loving it. Nice. Uh, I also got a couple boxes of books to add to my personal library. Books. Books. I love books. Um, but I'm in, I'm in a situation where I need, I need another shelf. And we have shelves here at the church that I can use that are not being used. But the way that my office is set up, I, I have to do some, some moving around. It's kind of like you remember that little game. It was kind of this like square game, and there'd be little cars, and it'd be like a traffic jam, and you'd have to move the cars mm-hmm. to the empty spot. Mm-hmm. I got to kind of do that with my office to figure out how I'm going to get this uh, this bookshelf in. So there are going to be people who listen to this and be like, it, funnily enough, he began this by saying interesting things. And then he <laughs> talked about bookshelves and books. Yeah, I love books. <laughs> and they're going to they're gonna be tempted to say, mm. oh, this must be COVID interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is lockdown level interesting <laughs> right? because we have nothing else going on. But that's not the case. No, 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 no. Pastors are weird people about books. Mm-hmm. When you go to pastors' conferences, you would hope that the main thrust would be the speakers, the message of God brought by pastors to pastors. Right. That is important. People love that. But that bookstore? Oh, yeah. That bookstore that is larger than the room where the speaking is taking place <laughs> yeah they're like pariah where's the Piranha banner is just where's the banner of truth table let me right. get there you got to get there first too who's giving away what yeah that's another thing um and and the books that conferences give away are always a big deal yep um pastors are just crazy about <laughs> books <laughs> yeah it's true it's true yeah Whether they read them or not who knows <laughs> but they like them you know how I, okay this is how i've explained it to some people um because they're like wow you got a lot of books and um now these books i didn't really i i bought one set for an absolute bargain and had a, a bunch of others that were uh, donated to me but uh I look at it this way. Like I explain it to guys who are in trades like this. Like you spend a lot of money on tools, mm-hmm. like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on tools. Sometimes you'll buy it. You'll spend tons of money on a tool that you might use once a year. But when you need it, it's there. But when you need it, you need it. Yep. So my bookshelf is my toolbox uh, in, to some respect. So mm-hmm. that's that's why you and I get so crazy about books. Yeah. I, I've got an uncle who's retired as a pastor. And uh, gave me some books. And I mentioned that my bookshelves were growing to the point that I've, I've not read everything on my bookshelf. Yeah. Um, and and I talked about paring it down to just the things that I use. He argued against it. He said, uh, your, uh, your bookshelf is a well. Mm. And you never know when you're going to need to dip into it mm-hmm. um, for a fresh drink. Yeah. And and if we just have the things that we use regularly, we're just going to think the way that we've always thought and, and sort of 
speak the way that we've always spoken. Mm. Um, but having the variety of things in there, all sound mm-hmm. things, not just like, oh, whatever the new book is, read it and right. tell people that's right. I do have a little um, heresy shelf. Yeah, I, a, heresy, a heresy shelf is a handy thing. Yeah. Although I've been told before in the past by someone with a keen eye enough to notice that they are, that I had a heresy shelf that I should probably label it as such <laughs> just to put anyone at ease who might uh, be concerned about the books on that shelf. I think right. I have some of them turned backwards for that reason. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but, but yeah, I, it's, it's, it's an important thing. <laughs> and here we are five minutes in talking okay. about That's pastors okay. and books. That's okay. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so maybe we should talk about the catechism a little bit, which is a book, which is a book. On my bookshelf? On mine, too. There you go. Um, question, segway. Question. <laughs> segway. Flawless. Hashtag, hashtag segway. Yeah, just seamless. It's great. Question 20. Who is the Redeemer? Mm. Well, I want to break into song. There's like a bunch of there's songs. There's so many songs. I, I thought that, songs. too. Yeah, when I was getting ready for this, I was thinking like all of the Jesus, my Redeemer kind of yeah. songs out there, are, they are many. My redeemer is. That's always a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, jazz it up a little bit. It's great. Uh, yeah. So, who is the redeemer? Now, this question. Why does it matter, Tim? Ooh, it matters because there are entire religions based off of the answering of this question. Yes. Um, that Jesus is a type of redeemer, mm-hmm. and that there would be one who would come. Beyond that mm-hmm. is the basis of Islam. And the, not that Muhammad would be a sacrifice a redeemer, but that he would be the great and final prophet mm-hmm. uh, that would bring to us the true message of redemption right? Um, in a way that Jesus was not able to. Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of reinvent Jesus so that he is prophet, teacher, but not really redeemer in the same way. In the same way, my, my, cause I was thinking about this too. I was thinking about like this whole concept of redeemer and you know, the fact that, you know, we've established already that we, we need a redeemer. That's the only way that God, that's the way that God has, um, created things in, in order for us to be restored, to be saved. Um, and in virtually every other faith that I can think of, and every other kind of worldview, spirituality type thing. The Redeemer is yourself. Yeah. And and I would say inadvertently, in bad Christian theology, that Jesus is the Redeemer is sort of a token gesture of, oh yeah, of course, mm-hmm. but really. Yeah. Like it's within you, you. If you think about it, right, it's either, so you have like, Kind of moralistic teaching, which we talk about a lot, and that mm-hmm. and Islam would kind of fall within yep. that, right? There's a there's a a scale when you die and when you're before Allah, you have to have more weight on the the good deeds and the bad deeds, and that is how you can be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And it's up to Allah to determine what how good is good enough, and so there is no assurance of salvation in the Islamic faith. Um, and I say that as someone who's like I've I've read the Quran and had multiple conversations of this nature with with um with muslim people but you know if maybe in like some eastern mysticism like buddhism and that sort of stuff like it's about like enlightenment right you have to you have to ascend yourself to a higher plane 
of understanding and existence. Right. Um, yeah, Zen Buddhism is really interesting in that way, mm-hmm. in that the whole idea is that you have to transcend all teachings mm. and thoughts to just sort of end in this vague nothingness, Yeah, which in itself is a system of thought and teaching. <laughs> it's this very self-defeating thing. It totally is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in it, the, the whole idea is I must redeem myself. Right. And, and the other the other part of a lot of those Eastern mysticisms is that if you don't get it right the first time, you got to keep doing it over and over and over <laughs> and over again <laughs> right. until you get it right. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like one of the things that I've kind of seen to some degree kind of rear its ugly head again, because, you know, there's nothing really new under the sun. Um, oh, is you co- should coin that before someone steals <laughs> it. <laughs> That's good, right? TM Marshall. <laughs> uh, no, um, no, but, is this idea of Gnosticism. So like that we are saved by this kind of attaining a higher knowledge, higher degree of understanding is what is how we can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so understanding, seeing through the veil to what is actually going on or, or thinking at a level that is beyond kind of the, the masses. And I mean, obviously something that was very prominent um, early on in church history and has kind of, over the years kind of popped up with different kind of flavors and different things. But I, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of that even in some Christian teaching lately. Yeah, no, for sure. And and in particular in some blends of Judaism with Christianity. Yeah. Right. So like the Judaizers from Galatians mm-hmm. were a first group in this. Now it's, bears the label in some ways Hebrew roots is sure. a, an identifiable one. But mm-hmm. whenever you, I'm always cautious of these blends between Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, on my heresy shelf, I have a book called The Complete Jewish Study Bible, okay. uh, which is written by a guy who I would argue is heretically in this camp, right? Mm-hmm. Where the idea comes that uh, Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice and to fulfill the law. But now it's on you, mm-hmm. right? It, not not really a redeemer, but an ender ender of this an ender, one to end the sacrificial system, right? Um, but the weight of your sin is still on your shoulders, right? Um, and so pointing us back to the law mm-hmm. and not paying our price. Right. With that, they would say this is the best of both worlds. This is how God has called us to worship. So we worship. Yet we don't do the sacrifices because Jesus took care of that for us. In my mind, I say 100 percent no, because what you're arguing is what Jesus did was sufficient to a degree. Right. But not entirely sufficient. And the debt is still owed. So nothing has been redeemed. Yeah. Right, it's just changed a system. Yeah, and that that's kind of a common thing. The, a corruption of how Jesus is understood as redeemer is this common theme amongst those kind of corruptions of Christianity, like especially the most the most problematic ones, right? Because um, this gets mixed up a bit. Um, this idea gets mixed up in in Mormon and Jehovah's Witness teaching. It gets mm-hmm. gets mixed up in a lot of the kind of the Christian cults and the fringe stuff. Uh, it really got mixed up in you know um, Middle Age Roman Catholicism, and I'd say it's still a problem um, within Roman Catholicism. 
um, is Jesus actually the redeemer? Right. Like, what is he actually? What what does his what does his work actually accomplish? Right. Um, because some people might say he is a redeemer, but how far does that go? Like, what does he actually do? How much is on you? Right. Um. So, anyways, yeah. these are important things for us to wrap our minds around, and th- that's that's the kind of the world we live in, right? Um. And and the, a lot of times they're going to argue, well, it. And and I've seen this put forth. In, in even things like like book reviews on what I would call really good literatures, mm-hmm. like uh, the Gospel Project, yeah, um, the people say if you go that direction that we're gonna go, mm. and you take the weight off of the believer, then what you're going to do is you're going to lead to anarchy. Right. You're going to lead to Christian anarchy. Just this idea that, well, Jesus did it all, so I'm free to do whatever I want. Um, let's get we'll get into why that's wrong. <laughs> but the, yeah. but that's but they will even out loud say sure that can't be the case because then the whole system falls apart. Yeah. But the system, their system, is dependent on self. Yeah. And what they're missing is that a compulsion to worship out of gratitude is as strong as a compulsion to save one's skin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the idea is like, okay, well, if believers don't, you know, you know, if believers come to the conviction that uh, it's not about their performance in the sense that they don't earn their salvation through walking in, in obedience, that there's somehow, like you said, there's going to be anarchy. It's going to be antinomianism. They're going to go completely off the rails. But that completely discounts the fact that, like, is the Holy Spirit not working in the mm-hmm. heart of the believer to sanctify them? Right? Like, um, like they're only going to come to faith if God's already working in them. So that just doesn't... Yeah, that's just an overly simplistic and dismissive way to... to yeah, <laughs> to the point that I would argue, like, it, having a, conver- a private conversation with a person like that, I would say, does this, is this reason to question their faith? Hmm. Right. Um, do you understand the gospel? I would take it that far. Right. Right. That you would say, um, if I'm not out to save my own soul because I'm afraid of hell, that's not the gospel. Right. That's not faith in the gospel. Hmm. Faith in the gospel says, I can't. And it it's a, I think the difference is saying, I live this way out of acknowledgement of what I've already received versus an Islamic concept of hmm. fear of what might happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's good. So, yeah. The Catechism says, in response to this question, who is the Redeemer? The only Redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, in whom God became man and bore the penalty for sin himself. Mm. It's good. Jesus. Jesus. As if we haven't said that <laughs> already. Maybe 50 times in this <laughs> podcast already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next long stretch of weeks. Yeah. We're going to be doing deep dives into a number of attributes of why Jesus is 
this Redeemer. So I would say look at this episode as an overview of why Jesus is the Redeemer. And then we will get into uh, some really deep concepts week after week about how that was in... It'll basically flow like this. This is a necessary attribute of the Redeemer, and this is how Jesus fills that spot. Yeah. Right? That's what's going to happen for the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. This is kind of an overview. Mm -hmm. Jesus is that Redeemer. Um, Almost at a take-our-word-for-it kind of level. (laughs) And then with proofs to come. So if you're thinking here there's going to be like this whole Christological apologetic about uh, proving that Jesus is that Redeemer... Stay tuned. Yeah, we're not going to get we're not going to get too deep in, into it, uh, but let's just look. Let's briefly kind of go through the answer and maybe just touch on a few of the things that we're yep. going to be covering. Um, the first is that uh, the first thing that jumps out to me in this answer is the only mm-hmm. redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ. First thing that jumps out to me is that uh, redeemer is capitalized. I yeah, don't get that. That's a little weird. Yep. Uh, <laughs> just because I, we got to find fault in everything. Sure, sure. Uh, the only redeemer. Yeah, there's one there's and one. none other. Yeah, and and I'd remind people one, regardless of what side of the cross you lived and died on, there is one redeemer. There's right. one redeemer. The our redeemer is the same redeemer that uh, Adam was waiting on, mm-hmm. that Noah was waiting on. That the sacrifices foretold. Exactly. Um, so one and only Redeemer, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's it's evident in the servant songs mm-hmm. in Isaiah. They are anticipating the Messiah, right? Um, just meaning the anointed one. There were lots of people anointed. Sure. Priests, prophets, kings. Yep. Um, but always the concept of an ultimate, mm-hmm. singular ultimate Messiah. Yeah, who's faultless. Right. Right, who pleases the Father perfectly. Yep, that was always the anticipation. And looking backward in Christianity, it has always been the acknowledgement. Exactly. A singular person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is the uh, eternal Son of God. Um, the eternality of Christ, I think, is an important thing to understand. Begotten, not created. Yeah, um, the eternality, I think, is important to understand. Again, we'll, we'll get into this stuff deeper uh, at a later date but the idea that like before time began there was agreement between the father and son Mm -hmm. as to his role in being the redeemer right this isn't like you know god the father is just like watching things unravel and then he's like oh i got it i'll just make a human version of me and send him down there and he can do do what i need him to do that is right. not that is not a, a a proper way to understand the person of Jesus Christ and how he is the redeemer. It is he is eternal, uh, co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit. Um, and in eternity past, knowing that we would be in need of a redeemer, um, in agreement with Father and Spirit, uh, chose to willingly take on that role. Yeah, I mean a lot of people have tried to twist this thing of the eternality of Jesus in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but biblically, biblically, eternality is important. It's necessary. Yeah. Um, why is it necessary? We'll get into that. Sure. Uh, but the eternal son of God. Yeah. Yeah. In, in whom God became man. Mm-hmm. Um, 
also, again, we're going to get into that specifically. There's actually an entire question and answer on that uh, specific situation and why that was necessary. Question, question 22. Okay, so we're, yeah. so a couple We're on weeks, 20. A couple weeks away. So two weeks away. Yeah, so two weeks away. So we don't want to kind of belabor that, but just there is a, there is a, there's a perfection in God's plan of redemption, and part of that perfection included the necessity for the Redeemer to be human, mm-hmm. whilst also divine. Um, and that's a t- um, okay. In like warning to those who are going to continue listening, like this this gets into some heavy stuff. Not a warning. Not a. It's wa- an excitement. I mean, we're gonna learn. It's like yeah, I mean, it's like. It's like warning if you're like stepping onto like a football field. It's like it's gonna be hard. <laughs> there's some there's some stuff. There's some crazy stuff, right? There's some things that we're gonna we're gonna work through. That was that was a terrible analogy. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was I wasn't following, but I wasn't gonna fight. This I is thought what maybe happens. it's on me. This maybe is what, I'm just not following. This is what happens when I use notes like Tim does, uh, which is not at all. Um no, so like I think that yeah, there's some there's some heavy things, but I think it's actually some really beautiful and wonderful things. And hopefully, through some discussion, we can help people wrap their minds around it to an extent. Yeah, but I think there's a limit to, to how the extent that the mind can be wrapped around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I just the, the only reason I pushed back is because I feel like inside of the church, we um, we make too many apologies mm. for having to think. <laughs> Fair enough. And and we <laughs> pretend we pretend like it it's all above us, right? And it's not. No. I mean, w- God, if God revealing Himself to us was so entirely um, above our capacity to think, then God failed to reveal Himself, right? Um, and and I I just want us to get to a place where we're just like, hey, no. This can be understood. It's going to be understood, and we're going to understand it. And maybe we don't now, but that's just because we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. But we're going to, and then we will, and it's all good. Yeah. No, that's good. Yep. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. He be, so he became man, and he bore the penalty for sin himself. Um, so again, this this personal bearing of the penalty of sin. So this is the Son of God um, bearing the wrath of God. Yep. First um, Timothy 2. Mm-hmm. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Uh, like I said, in two weeks we're going to talk about why you needed to be human. Yep. But not talking about why it's necessary, but one of the benefits of him being human and man as given to us in Second Timothy is that he can he can be a mediator not just in communication, but also in understanding mm. and experience. Right. Relating to both God and man mm. and being the bridge. You know, we, we, when I was a kid, gospel tracks were a really big thing. Okay. Right? Like, go ye therefore into the world and preach the gospel meant taking a 15-page booklet the size of a business card and, and leaving it on your table after you've eaten so that the waitress will pick it up and read it and be discipled. Um, that's, that was a big deal. Right. Right. And most of them have the, the gulf, right? The cliff. Right. Man's here. God's here. And the cross is the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, this is exactly what that's talking about, right. right? Not only the bridge for man to God, but a bridge of God to man. Mm-hmm. That it is a a joining of the two in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Hebrews is going to pin a lot on this. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that. That idea that this Redeemer is not alien to our experience, mm-hmm. nor is he alien to the righteousness of God. Yeah. Fully understanding and embodying both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you brought up Hebrews because, yeah, there's some beautiful, beautiful passages there. We're talking about him as our high priest. And the, we know that in the Old Testament context, the priest served as kind of the go-between between the people and God. And, you know, having to offer sacrifices for themselves, although Christ didn't offer sacrifice for his own sins because he was sinless, even though he was tempted just as we were, but once and for all offered a sacrifice for all sins, right? So, like, he is the perfect priest, right? Like, we talk about Jesus being, you know, prophet, priest, and king. Um, he is He is what the priesthood was never really truly able to be in, in that he, he truly was a, a connector, a bridge um, between humanity and God. And, um, yeah, it's... It's some awesome stuff, so I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. In the commentary, mm. John Chrysostom. Yeah, we're going back a ways with John Chrysostom. Let me, let me, tell, you, <laughs> let me tell you about John Chrysostom. I love John Chrysostom. His commentaries on the Scripture, particularly the Gospel of John, mm. his commentaries on the Scripture are incredible Mm. and there's a part of me that just wants to be like everybody needs to read chrysostom everybody (laughs) needs to love this guy as much as i do but he's also a founder of uh eastern orthodox church and the whole concept of uh people's things having special powers like the whole icons of the catholic church kind of thing and so these places and things so he's he's not without what i would call very significant fault (laughs) sure (laughs) but when he hits Mm -hmm. he hits hard yeah really good stuff oh yeah and always well said that's the thing that always gets Mm -hmm. me to give people an idea of like the era born in 347 died in 407 yeah, we're talking. We're going. We're going back away. A contemporary here, of Augustine, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only begotten, who is before all ages, who cannot be touched or perceived, who is simple without body, has now put on my body, that is visible, and liable to corruption. For what reason? That coming amongst us, he may teach us, and teaching. Lead us by the hand to the things that men cannot see. Mm. When he hits, he hits hard. It's good. That's really good. Awesome. Anything else you want to say today, Tim? Or have we given off enough spoilers for the upcoming month? Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Like the, <laughs> why all of these things are necessary mm-hmm. is is forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, to be fair. Most people listening to this are going to be well-churched. Right. Um, and so, who is the Redeemer? Jesus, thank you and good night. Right. Um, could have been, for some, sufficient. 
but but what I want us to do is I I want us to feel the need to challenge those things that that we have come to so blatantly just receive without thought. Yeah. And not challenge to the point of like this whole modern concept of, oh, everything you knew about this was completely wrong. It needs to be rediscovered. But to challenge it and to say, I believe that, but why? Mm-hmm. And the reason that matters is because if you're not able to walk yourself through that process, you're not able to walk anyone else, th- else through that process. Yeah. yeah. And so our evangelism falls short. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is have someone come up to you and say, why? And you'd be like, I don't know. I just do. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is something that like, what I hope is that over the next several weeks, our listeners, even if they've been walking with the Lord for a long, long time, might come to a greater understanding and knowledge of who Christ is and, and that that would lead to a greater appreciation for him. There was this, I want to read this quick quote that I came across in preparation for um, the Bible study that's starting next week. Uh, a virtuous man may be ignorant, but ignorance is not a virtue. It would be mm-hmm. a strange God who could be loved better by being known less. Love of God is not the same thing as knowledge of God. Love of God is immeasurably more important than knowledge of God. But if a man loves God knowing only a little about him, he should love God more for knowing more about him. For every new thing known about God is a new reason for loving him. Yes. <laughs> Those are closing words, my friend. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. And it's produced by Alex the Walker. <laughs> Take care, everyone.